Welcome to the Don't Die podcast, sponsored by Aloe Treatment Centers. They're out in Malibu. They're in Silver Lake. It's a treatment center I started with some friends. We want you to get the right treatment, the right program for you, and stop dying. Stop dying, Chuck. I'm wearing headphones. You, you, oh you know God. I have stopped dying. Amazing. I, I can't died believe Mike Martin just gnaws at you and wears <laughs> you down. As rebellious as I am, I'm wearing those dumb Apple ear ear pods, ear Buds. buds they're the best for buds. yeah but you sound so much better this week. oh get out of town <laughs> you do and you look pretty good with that little necklace thing going around your neck that looks oh, I, th- I think you know you know the only thing worse than these things chuck are what? those are those things that people in orange county in particular still oh use God. which is those ear pieces when they're talking on the phone, I had a couple of partners down there in Laguna. They got they got one in each ear, and they're talking uh, to body broker on one phone and lab on the other. Crazy, <laughs> <laughs> <That's laughs> gotta go right to the illegal shit. You know those things. The other things before these things, there was little one little thing that went in your ear, and it had a button to "Hello, are you there?" Yeah. What were those things called? I don't know that those were an LA thing. I didn't really see them down here. <laughs> no, they weren't. Now it's an LA Orange County ear thing. <laughs> no one I know. No one I know used. No them. one you know in what? LA talks on the telephone. Just get that shit straight. Yeah, it's we all text. text. It's weird, man. You guys don't even answer phones anymore. Mine doesn't even ring. I figured <laughs> out how. I, I was talking to this tech kid right about two years ago, and I said because I've never I haven't answered my phone in ten. 10 years but but um and i learned it from flea so i'm just gonna blow flea up right now so i was at flea's house one time this is in the late 90s when there were still home phones and he and i were in a, a very intense conversation i don't know about what and his home phone started ringing and we were sitting at the kitchen table and there's one of those phones that hang on the wall you know that you have the long cords that you can talk like in the 70s was that the house with the, with the big buddha in it uh, no that's a house before that so so it, the phone's ringing it's right you know five feet away from us and then there's another phone you can hear going a different sound the, the home phone was ringing and i looked at the phone and it rang like five times and i go are you gonna answer that and he goes no it'll go to voicemail i'll see who it was later and it was the first time anyone I'd ever known admitted to not answering their phone. <laughs> and I was, my mind, Chuck, just went. Exploded. Like, you don't have to fucking answer your phone when somebody calls you? This is uh, mind-blowing. So I said, well, isn't it rude not to answer your phone? He goes, no, we're having an intense conversation just because somebody's calling me doesn't mean I didn't need to interrupt what I'm doing to answer their request. But as soon as we get done or you you head out, I'll check the voicemail, see who it was, and call them back. So that was my first seed of you don't have to answer your phone. Then it goes all the way to when I was on TV and when I was the counselor to everybody. My phone literally rang every, and I'm sure it's like Warren's too, your boss there. Like every seven minutes, my phone was ringing. Oh, Anytime I was yeah. on my phone, it rang three times when somebody was, else was calling, right? And I <laughs> never have known how to hang up on them. So if I push red, then I hang up on the person I'm talking to and the person. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't get that yet either. I yeah. So I talked to this kid about two years ago. So then I just figured out how you turn the ringer on silent once I got some iPhone 5 or something and I read the instructions. 
but still the phone number pops up, right? And you you can see like if you're watching something on your phone or you're texting, the phone that's calling you rings. So I'm talking to this tech kid like two years ago. He told me how to make that not happen. And ever since then, I never answer my phone. <laughs> it's impo- it's actually impossible for me to answer my phone. Unless I'm on it, it still clicks through that somebody's calling. I know. And people say to me, they go, Bob, I called Bob. He never returned my call. I said, Bob doesn't answer his phone. <laughs> the, sometimes the only time I don't return the call is I'm, I, I'm old. I'm 59. I've been in poor health the last two weeks. And I was at the doctor all day. I just got no time to listen to people's complaining and whiny poo butt problems. I'm sorry. <laughs> Ten, you should have talked to me 10, 15, 20 years ago. I would have been, oh, my girlfriend cheated on me. Like, dude, all girlfriends cheat on you. Get over it. <laughs> Don't use drugs, man. <laughs> yeah. I never, I've never, I'm trying to think of what girlfriend didn't cheat on me. I don't even care. Why do you care? If they, if they obviously like someone else, it's time to either go to therapy or move on. Right. You know, the, the idea of it, it makes Amy crazy when I know um, I go to sit down to eat. I mean, that was just the way it was growing up. You don't answer the phone during dinner. And, you know, you took the time to show up at Flea's house. That gives you front. That, you're a carte blanche. Anybody else that knocks on the door or rings the phone, they're second and third. Yeah, you know, I didn't I, I didn't ever did that because I was such a people pleaser that I just, you know, I always was trying to people please. And up until like 10 years ago, but I don't know, when I hit 50, something happened to me. Like, I don't give a fuck. You can say I don't call you back. There's probably a reason why. You're a whining, sniveling baby. (laughs) (laughs) So everybody listening to Bob's never called back. (laughs) Now, I'll always, hey, I always call back people that are crying and fucked up on drugs and want help. I always do. You find somebody that leaves a genuine sincere you know hit bottom voicemail and you find me one that i didn't call back i always call that back but calling some guy with 10 years sober whose girlfriend cheated on him sorry whatever (laughs) you know what i mean is that fair (laughs) fair, man. it's fair (laughs) so anyways let me tell you about what i what i've been through today i'm so fucked up i have two things going on my sciatic I, I'm just going to, you know me, I always tell the truth. I was pooping about 10 days ago. Oh, I poop man. regularly. I was pooping. Fantastic. And often I get lost in the Apple News world when I'm pooping on my phone, which is, this is I guess this is the phone episode. So, okay. so huh. I'm, you know, I'm reading Huffington Post and I'm reading New York Times. I'm reading, you know, whatever about all these different things. And I... Apparently, I'd sat on the toilet a bit too long because sometimes I forget I'm pooping. I read so much, <laughs> right? So I probably was there forty-five minutes. Oh, maybe. Well, that's too long. <laughs> too long. And so, so I get up and something went terribly wrong oh. in my right hand lower back, and I was frozen. Now you got to understand, I'm I'm a three three maybe four man wiper. I was only two wipes. <laughs> I was only two wipes in. Jesus. I have OCD that way. Mike knows. I used to have to take showers after I poop. I got over that with a lot of therapy. I, I still um, do. I, I, I hear you. Yeah. So, so anyways, and I froze. 
This is the most embarrassing thing ever, especially during the coronavirus quarantine. I froze, I couldn't move, and I just kind of on the toilet. Well, no, I was standing up from it, but I was frozen in like a hunching position. Oh no, you were actually hovering. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was. I was like <laughs> leaning out, getting ready for a, another one. Oh, and so, Christy had to come and rescue no, you. No, while no, no. I just laid. I was too embarrassed, even to my own wife and children. So I laid down on the ground in the bathroom. <laughs> like to, the olden days. <laughs> trying to straighten my legs. Out, <laughs> straighten my butt. And I couldn't. And so then I kind of crawled. Oh I pulled my, my pants up and I kind of crawled into the kitchen. And I was like, Chrissy, because I didn't want to alarm the kids. I really, literally couldn't move. This is what happens to 59-year-olds wiping their butts. So... I crawled out into the kitchen. I was frozen in this kind of half fetal position. <laughs> Has this happened to anybody before? You pull your you your sciatic nerve goes out or some disc moves. Or, yeah, but not was, on the toilet or because of the result of sitting on the toilet for 45 minutes. Huffington Post. Right? Oh, my so, God. So I'm laying in the kitchen, and I'm really in pain. Like, it's agonizing pain. And then Chrissy comes and goes, what's wrong? And then I go, don't startle the kids. <laughs> And I just can't, I can't, I can't move. Oh, now these daddy. fucking kids, these fucking Don't. kids should be at school at this point. You understand this at 10 in the morning. So the fucking kids shouldn't even be here. That was really your defense. They shouldn't fucking be here. They're making me embarrassed. My kids are embarrassing me. Oh, my God. Um, oh, God. So, and so I don't the, want them to feel like their dad is so old. Like, my dad's so old, he can't even <laughs> get out of the poop on the toilet. Look at him. He's in a fetal position with poop on his leg. <laughs> Leaning over to wipe himself. But see, but that's why books are the go-to because you can't get lost in a rabbit hole on a book. I, I always pick a point where I, I, I know that I've been about 10, 10 minutes and then I stop reading. So you read on the toilet time. too? I wonder yeah. how many people do read on the toilet. No, a lot. I, do. I, I do, would hope so. Not for 45 minutes though. Elvis plays Minecraft on the toilet. Does Bob taking after the... you, Bob? This is what you're going <laughs> to tell. This is what you're doing. <laughs> no, no, because it's already a game with bugs. So it's all okay, man. It's time to go. Yeah, it's, not, it's time to go. We're not playing. So, so anyway, so that happened, and then it did. Like, so finally, I straightened up. It was just agonizing pain. I figured out how to move and get it right, and then. But then ever since then, it's just been agony. And it got worse and worse and worse. Now it's my lower back and my butt and down my leg. And so, you know, and I here's another coronavirus thing. I don't want to go to the fucking urgent care. I don't want to go to the doctor. Hell no. I don't, I don't, fuck yeah. no. No way. So that's, so, and that's going on a lot, I think. I think even people with with tumors are not going to the doctor because they don't want to get coronavirus. You know, I. I did. I went to the urgent care to get my TB test done because you got to have that done. You have to have a TB test every year to be able to continue working. Yeah, no, clients. but you can do that in telemedicine, Chuck. No, they, I did they, mine in telemedicine. They do. They do an injection and read the injection site. Yeah, no, you just put your arm up to the telemedicine. Thing. Oh no, That's I had I someone did. else. I had someone else read it, but I had to go get the injection. Oh, oh, I, I, oh. oh. Yeah, I, I, uh, my nurses don't just. You don't they, know how to shoot up, Chuck. <laughs> That's right. I if, forgot. If I if I was about making blisters under the skin like that, I would have never gotten loaded. I don't know how to do that thing. They do. You don't know how to do a proper medical procedure with a syringe, what it's intended for, but you know how to misuse it. <laughs> I, I I I can draw blood, son, but I, right. I can't make the blister. 
So anyways, I just, I've been in this agonizing pain. I don't know to go to the doctor. I think, keep thinking it'll get better. I try everything over the counter, like uh, just every kind of ridiculous thing and all the hippie shit at Sprouts. You ever go to Sprouts? Like half of it is just pills. You ever go to that? No. It's like a, a like a hippie supermarket. You never been to Sprouts, Mike? You been to Sprouts? Oh hell yeah! That one down on uh, down by Fairfax on uh, San, on, uh, Bev- on. There's uh, not one in Long Beach. Are yeah, they not allowed they're... in Orange County? <laughs> no, I, I think we it's kicked Los them out. <laughs> Long Beach is Los Angeles. They have so they've got them down here. Dangerous. They've got them down here. I hey, yeah, them so when Sprouts I lived in LA. by my house. They have all these things. These little pebbles you put under your tongue. You know about those? Ooh. Like a little. Anyways, I tried everything to reduce swelling. It just got worse and worse. So then I called my friend, Mike Berkowitz. He has the stem cell company in Newport Beach. And I just begged him, and he's so kind, and he, he did it. But they did everything today. I was down there for four hours. They shot me in both butts with stuff, then both arms IV. Uh, they did... They did uh, uh, laser therapy on my sciatic nerve. It was crazy. Wow. And hey, so, hooray for Orange County. Right? Yeah, there's a lot of progressive people <laughs> okay. in Orange County. I'm not saying there's not progressive people in Orange County. I'm saying you got to take hold of your society. You know that right? they just, they just, they just <laughs> turned I was down. Trying to, I was trying. There was a fly here. Uh, oh, yeah. I thought you were saying take hold of your, take hold of your, take hold of your society. You know, yeah. they just <laughs> voted. They just voted in Newport Beach today to not keep to not close the beaches. They were like everybody's like we should close the beaches. We should close the beaches, and they said nope, we're not closing them. Yeah, I got to think about the beaches. I mean, you can't say anything at this point. You just get shouted down. You know, I've left. Yeah. Yep. I've left Instagram. Because I got shouted down by somebody who I consider a friend, and I'm just done with it. And Chuck, you were the only person to reach out to me and say, "Hey, I hope this works out for you," and I thank you so much. I said something that was important for me to say, and this woman called me a hypocrite. Like, what am I contributing to the society? So I was ready to go back at her, Chuck. I was. I had written a long, long thing of what I do for our society, right? And it just, like, you don't want to be an asshole that brags about what you do, like music schools and 50 scholarships a year, and I, I'm a part, I was on the board of No Kid Hungry. Like, this fucking woman is accusing me of doing nothing when I'm actually one of the people that kind of quietly does things. Exactly. It's so awful, the internet. I can't fucking tell you what a waste of time it is, in my opinion, yeah. right? Right. Why should I have to be subjected to this woman's ins- insulting me for saying something genuine, right? She can not like me. She can just unfriend me. She can just not pay attention to me. But she has to get her jab in. Yeah, you really, yeah, it's really good to be negative at negative people. And one of those bullshit, like, I'm a, you know, is just so insulting. Like, what have you done lately for other people? It, like suggesting I'm some rehab exploiter, you know, it was just ugly. Okay. And I had, I had written this whole two paragraphs back, and luckily I read things over and over again before I release them. And I just thought, I'm done with this. I'm done with arguing with strangers about whether I'm a good person or not. Fuck this whole thing. 
why are we on it? I, I, I really. Well, this we've, you know, I think we've been around this tree before where it's like, if I don't like what someone's saying, I don't, I don't have to follow them. I can unfollow them or I can block or I can No, but you can't, you can't get rid of people like that. She was not following me, but just, I want my stuff to go out to the public, whoever wants it. So to me, there's no point in having a limited to your friends thing. I don't want to talk to just my friends. I could, like I said, I could call and leave a voicemail for them. <laughs> right. And then they like, get back to you for sure. Yeah, right. Yeah. Just so, go to down to the thing that says block them and block them. I got I got to come back to it because uh, I promised some people I would do something for them. But I'm just taking like Chuck had suggested, like I thought I was done with it. It's probably a month or so. I just, why did, but I'm more interested in why that woman would not hear the thing I posted was very sincere that we should spend more time with our children and less time checking Instagram to see how many likes we got. That's basically it. And I was calling myself out on it a little bit. Like I'm guilty of it. Well, I don't know if I want to be friends with you anymore after. Yeah, I know. I know. Well, what have you done for society, Chuck? Dude, my, you know, I had a, I had a friend of mine because I was looking at, I was looking at some stuff today and a friend of mine did a post that was, he did a very good job of putting up the, I understand that there are people that are, have been sick. I understand there are people that have died and I understand first responders are doing an amazing job, but, uh, you know, and not a, but, and not a, however, but also included in that, um, this isn't easy for some of us that are self-employed and count on that money month to month. Oh, I'm sure he got labeled a Trumper, a Trumper right away. And he and it turned into this ugly thread where there was like two guys that went at it and then they went back at him and said, I thought you were my friend. I'm not using you for video or for photos anymore. And uh, we're done because you didn't defend me against this other friend. And the other friend said, are you going to let him talk about me like that? And it turned into this total nonsense because the idea that, it, you know, all it wasn't when I read it, I was just like, yeah, man, I get that because I don't. I'm not struggling with that. It's real easy for me to say, yeah, let's hunker down another few weeks because I'm, I'm still going to work and I'm still getting paid. If I wasn't getting paid, then it's vital for me to go to work because it's to feed my family, right? I don't know. Yeah, but, I, but you I can't just say that. Lack, oh, my God, don't say that. There's just this lack of empathy for people. Like, I, I, I can't imagine what it's like for, like, 40% of the population, like, I just can't imagine how, how sad it is. And nobody seems to care. Well, fuck them if they don't like it. You know, it's just like, you know, people have to have income, right? They and, have to have we'll, get a, we'll get attacked for saying that. But getting back to the beach thing, I brought, you know, I went to the beach. Like, if there was like 40 people there. We're all like, uh, not six feet apart. How about 60 yards apart? Like, yeah, what is right. the deal about you can't go to the beach? Well, you know, and, and that's the other thing is that it turns into this big judgment thing where they go, oh, there were five people over there together. Well, how do you know those five people didn't come a ha- from a house that they share? You know, so it's it's all this minding yeah, was, other people's business. I mean, if those people all already are in an office all day together. We're just going to get attacked. Or, we're just using common sense, Chuck, and you can't do that anymore. Uh, I had yeah. this prediction uh, that I was telling somebody the other day. So I believe, maybe probably after I'm gone, maybe maybe Chuck will see it. Me and Mike will be gone, but Chuck will see it. <laughs> I'm so, only seven years younger than you. Huh? I'm only seven years younger than you. <laughs> oh, Jesus, you seem so much younger. So, well, 
Well, okay, we'll all three <laughs> Just be less gone. educated. We'll nice. all three be gone, but our children will be here to witness a Bob Nostradamus prediction. <laughs> I believe in like 20 years, so in 2040, a book will come out that will blow everyone's minds. It will be a worldwide phenomenon. It will sell 40 million copies. The person who writes it will be celebrated as the, the Messiah. And it will be simply the book of common sense. <laughs> it will be so mind-blowing. Commonsensical things, like don't spend money you don't have. What? Mind your own business. <laughs> like, <laughs> Dude, they're coming for you with pitchforks and, and torches. You know that, right? You're going to be coming up your dirt road with pitchforks and torches going, he wants us to think for ourselves. The book of common sense will be only second only to the Bible. Yeah, it'll have, a, it'll have a section on drinking, like don't drink while you drive. Don't drink and drive. Don't rationalize using heroin. Because that's all anybody and will understand. Don't use fentanyl, period. How about the, the Book of Common Sense, one rule? Don't use fentanyl under any circumstances. <laughs> Even if you're dying. <laughs> oh, my Suboxone God. Suboxone is not a cure for heroin addiction. <laughs> all the commonsensical ideas oh, you will know, blow <laughs> the minds of the, of the millennials when they're in their 70s. Right, because that's, get, the, that's all they'll be able to read is those one sentence things. You know what I mean? It'll have, <laughs> it'll have a little, it'll have a meme that breaks it down, <laughs> like a happy face. <laughs> you know, like, you just said something that that kind of hit close. I'm. Are you starting to talk to clients who go, "No, man, I don't want to do suboxone anymore. I did it the yeah, last two or three times, and I'm yeah, over that's it." That's been happening for like two years. People don't even want to use it to detox. Now they're being naive. They'll, they come in with a head full of ambition, like, I don't want anything. I just want to do it the old fashioned way. I don't want Suboxone. You just end up, it's just, and they blame doctors and Big Pharma. They're pretty, pretty accurate on who they're blaming for the having been put on Suboxone for the last five years, right? And they don't want that. But day two, when they're on, what are the regular <laughs> detox? Clonidine and uh, uh, Suboxone, sometimes Ativan. No, they're not on Suboxone. So they're on the old-fashioned way, clonidine, uh, the stuff that makes your legs not ache as much. What's that drug? Oh, oh. At, at a, no, no we, they, they do that sometimes with Robaxin, but with other Yeah, stuff. Robaxin. So there's a cocktail that Dr. Drew used for years, for decades, right? You use that, which is kind of a standard detox protocol if you don't want to be on Suboxone. Day two, they go... Hey, could I talk to you for a second? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is yes. there any way we could just use Suboxone for the detox? I said, dude, come on now. You're changing your mind midway through. We, I, we talked about this. But yeah, it's a it's a it's an interesting thing. This the, the whole there's a movement against Suboxone. Well, Plus, there's gonna be a Suboxone shortage here pretty soon in the pipeline. Really? Well, I I, I just like it when I hear their their experience is is what's telling them that they they'll use it for detox the ones i've been talking to lately but they don't want to do any maintenance and you know how the the insurance care managers are all why don't they want to do it and i put the quotes in there client states i'm not getting on that shit again it was a fucking bitch to quit and right sending that off to well actually company. that's a lie too because i was on it 
1980. When, when was the Steve Earle years, Mike Mart? When was Steve Earle living in uh, Largemont Village? Or, or? It was like uh, 89. 89. Chuck, I was on it in 89. I'm telling you, it's easy to get off. You just start shooting heroin again for like three or four <laughs> days. That's fine. You don't even notice. You don't even notice the withdrawals <laughs> from Suboxone. Yeah, when I yeah. discovered that you could uh, shoot speed for um, and stay four up for days. four or five yeah, days four, and get kick heroin days. without any other, I was like, oh, this yeah. is great. I'll just switch to speed for a week and then uh, go back to heroin after that. That really did work, except for you get pretty peculiar with your uh, curiosity oh, about sex. You get a little weird, yeah. <laughs> oh, it's not that one again. I do. Not, not the little monkey comes out. Oh, yeah. oh, oh masturbation you know, issues. I, yeah, I'm just, I, there's some strange things going on. This is my last actual, before I got arrested, I was trying to do that. But I just liked shooting speed so much, I never really stopped for like three months. Yeah. It's it's you know it is it is a it's a good feel. Otherwise, people wouldn't do it to begin with. It's just uh, it's hard to sleep on though. It's hard to rest. It's hard hard to rest your eyes. But speed gets to this point where when you do a a big shot of it and stuff, you don't get amped up at all. You just really get. Oh, it's pure. It's because you're dying. (laughs) It's pure pleasure. It's pure pleasure. Like that was one of the first drugs that we all did. The first drugs I shot was like coke and then speed. That was right when I met Flea and Anthony and Pete, like in 83. We were shooting Speed, Earache, Earthquake, Mike Mart. Earthquake. Sold Speed. Yeah, right? of course, yeah. And I would get a quarter gram for 20 bucks. It would be like four shots. And it was just so pleasurable. But you really did get into no man's land with your thinking and rationale. There was no common sense. Let's put it that way, Chuck. But no, the book of common sense was not followed on day three of methamphetamine injection. I would, I would hope not. Otherwise. <laughs> um, so I, that brings me to a funny story that I was actually telling somebody tonight, Robin and Crosby and I were up for like days, man, on just, I don't know, just speed. And um, we're trying to score. And, and we, uh, we got this like gay guy that had said he had a connection. And so we were driving him around and he was like taking us to all these different spots. And then he was acting all weird. Like he wasn't going to give us any. And then finally Robin goes, look, what do you want me to fucking do, man? Do you want me to blow you or something? Do you want me to give you a fucking blow job? Just give us a dope, man. (laughs) (laughs) And and, and, and you had to know Robin. Yeah. Robin. One thing you didn't, you can kind of see it in the rap videos. Uh, Chuck, let me just describe Robin for a second. He was about six foot seven, about 240 pounds, a lot of muscle. And that's a lot of he was the kindest, sweetest guy. And (laughs) he was a, a crazy drug addict. And he was sometimes. Not that bright, <laughs> right? The best, my best Robin story is we're at my house on Fountain, which is kind of like Drug Central, and he, I loved when he came by. Sometimes Mike would bring him by, and then Mike would leave, and then Robin would stay for like a day, and it was just the funnest time because yeah. unlimited resources were really a grand thing. Yes. Unlimited oh, resources. Yeah. They that, had that round and round money, huh? Yeah, yeah, the round and round. Well, they, they. You know, Round they Around is their hits. really good song, but they had a lot of hits that are not that good. But oh, they were man. playing. So me and Robin have been up for about two days. We're sitting in my little den area, 
and I'm watching a basketball game. And he didn't like sports at all. Like, I think I couldn't imagine that he didn't play sports when he was a kid. He's a ginormous guy, but he hated sports. And he, he was like, do we have to have that on? And I go, dude, it's Michael Jordan. What are you fucking talking about? You have to have it on. Of course you have to. Oh, we lost Bob. There we go. We're rolling now. So we're watching the basketball game. There's another side note. When he would stay at my Get house, closer to the phone. Be... Huh? Get closer to the microphone on your phone. Okay. I'll just talk into it. Yeah, Is that exactly. Good? Yep. So, so when he would be at my house, his wife would know to call, you know, once she zeroed in on where he was holed up. So she hmm. would call and, and, uh, we're sitting there and he goes, he, he heard he was, we were doing speed balls and he heard the name of the basketball arena, the Detroit Pistons salt house. And he goes, Is that, what did they just say that place is called? And I said, the salt house. And he goes, I thought that was in Salt Lake City. And I go, no, it, 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 uh, the, I forget what it was called, but he was mixed up on what he goes, I think I'm playing there tomorrow night. And I was <laughs> like, well, shouldn't you get some rest? And his wife had called and it was like, you know, two in the afternoon or three in the afternoon on Saturday. And his wife had called and and he said, come on, we got to go. I just got to go with her to the park and walk the dogs and act like everything's normal. And then you and I will act like we're working on a song. So I had to go with him. <laughs> We've been up for two days to his house. He gets these Pomeranian dogs or whatever dog. Mike, remember he had dogs? Yeah, he had, he had a Labrador, a little Labrador. Little Labrador. Yeah. But she had dogs too, little dogs. Yeah. And we go to the dog park near their house, right by the 170 freeway in Burbank Boulevard. We go to the dog park and we're just tweaked out and been up for two days. And he's walking with the dogs acting. And he was acting normal, cool as a cucumber. And I was sweaty and tweaked out. And it was sun and just awful. And I was like, why are we doing this just to go back and do drugs more? That was one of the, like a moment of clarity I had. Like, <laughs> why are we here at the dog park acting like we're normal? There's nothing normal about us. We should both go to bed. But then, of course, <laughs> Robin had unlimited resources. Chuck, don't forget that. Yeah. That thought quickly vanished as soon as the wife was satisfied that we had gone walk the dogs and everything was good. It took like 45 minutes. We are back at the house. And so then we stay there all that night. And I go, dude, aren't you supposed to be playing a concert tomorrow? Shouldn't you call somebody? And he goes, what day is it? And I go, it's Saturday. And he goes... I think it might have been last night. <laughs> oh, <shit>. no. But <laughs> he was missing shows. Well, they kicked him out of the band, dude. You know, him and him and me, we got kicked out of the out of fucked up bands. Oh, did he get kicked out of rap? <laughs> yeah, they kicked him out, dude. But he was the coolest guy in it. Yeah, but he got really bad. And they, they said, we can't do it with you anymore. And he said, well, fine, because I'm going to still do drugs. <laughs> and, he, and he lost that battle didn't he yeah That's well it was sad he was just such a lovable guy and then here's the two parallel life he was very much like steven adler they, they were very similar guys very lovely they're just lovely people right they got a grumpy side but i just love both of them steven adler's still fucking rolling still fucking alive how is that mm -hmm. possible it's a miracle and he's the coolest right? guy ever, man. Steven Adler? Yeah. He's funny as hell. Yeah. 
Have you, if you see him recently, he's obsessed with the four truths. Have you heard about the four truths? Is the, the, the four agreements. Will, and you do this and you do that. Yeah, yeah. the four agreements. Uh, are you into that, Chuck? Oh, my oh, God, Chuck no. sounded like he's an agreement guy. No, I, no, because everybody that comes into treatment, they talk about it. Do they really? I haven't yeah. heard about it except for from Stephen Adler, but I'm kind of out of touch. It sounds like a softer, easier way, Chuck. It's I not, don't know. certainly not the book of common sense. <laughs> no, I, I, I would read that to see if it made any sense. I, I would like to see if I agreed with the book of common sense. I'm sure that a woman on Twitter that made me leave uh, Instagram, made me leave Instagram, she would disagree with most of it. You, you don't, you don't want to uh, publicly shame her? What have you done for other people? <laughs> oh my God, what's that got to do with the fact that we should spend more time with our children? What's that got to do with anything? I don't know, but but I do like it. I do like the fact that that's that's what it does. And and, it, it, and the realization of that post. Let me just tell you, because I don't know what's going on at your guys' houses, but it struck me one night, like the couple nights before I did that posts that we should get off social media and be with our children or families uh we were all sitting in the living room me chrissy sydney and elvis we had the tv on on sydney's show which is called uh what's her favorite show um muppet babies so muppet <laughs> babies was on and we were all four on our phones sitting in, on the couch in front of the television four people on their phones and I thought, this is fucking wrong. Elvis was on Minecraft. Sid was playing Blaze and the Monster Racers car chase. Chrissy was on Etsy looking at clothes. And I was checking on Instagram whether people like me or not. And I was just like, fuck this shit. And I made us all get off our phones for about 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody went back to their phones. Yeah, then... <laughs> well, no, then I just said, everybody go to their rooms. I came to my office where I am now. Elvis went to his bedroom. Sid sat on the couch by herself. And then Christy went into the bedroom or the kitchen just so that we wouldn't all four be sitting in one room all on our phones. I just thought, <laughs> I can't look at that. That's too much reality. <laughs> yeah. And well, so you know, I saw, so I saw, I saw Flea's comment. Uh, he, uh, Flea commented on your Instagram. He goes, you'll be back. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, but we do, we do need to, we do need to unwind from that because things like that. I mean, yeah, exactly. it's a bunch of little things all at once. Like I, I find it, it's not, it's not good for my, uh, for my brain to be on there too much because there is so much negativity and it creeps in. Well, I, I find, asked Flea cause Flea's on it. He's one of the only friends I have that is is like on it that has, you know, like a million followers or something that I can talk to. And he says, just don't read the comments. You know, you're going to, it's one of those things you're going to live or just die. Just don't answer by the, the phone. You're going to live or die by the comments. So yeah, you're going to get praised as great and the best bass player in the world and blah, blah, and love the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Once in a while, somebody's going, you're a fucking sellout. Fuck you. You're a phony. You know what I mean? So why read any of it? If you know who you are, why read any of it? Do you, I wonder if people know how well-adjusted Flea is. One of the things that that um, he doesn't mind, he doesn't mind this conversation about him because he doesn't care and he's never going to hear it. Yeah. He only focuses on things that are important in his life to him and to his goals. And that's how we all should be. Yeah. Why should I care what this woman said about whether I help people or not? 
What you know? It's all trauma, Chuck. You're the therapist. Help me out here, buddy. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not a therapist. We hold the same the same counseling thing. Yeah, you know, but, but you're more. You're better at it. So what? What is that? <laughs> that certain criticisms. Now I can take a lot of criticism. You can call me a pepperoni face, pimple face, whatever. All that superficial shit. I don't care. But challenging who I am and who I know I am that gets me somehow. Why is that? I kind of feel that maybe it's your upbringing you know your parents had a caregiver home and stuff and you have a caregiver built into you and you want to help everybody uh, you know i don't know and so maybe there's right, a well, little bit of guilt that is, you cannot help everybody well but. it's balancing uh you know th that's why all these hero stuff i mean i don't want to get into the society but you know, just because you do your job, you're not a hero. And that's how I feel about myself. So that's how I feel about the people right now. I'm not a hero for going to somebody's house and pulling a crack pipe out of their hand and hugging them and bring them to rehab. And I don't I just don't think you're a hero for doing your job. I, it used to be you're just a you're just a solid citizen. Right. When did Chuck when did our society go from when you do the right thing, you're a hero Instead of you're just a guy, a normal person who does the right thing. When did doing the right thing become heroic? Hi, that, that tells you something about how the scales are unbalanced, doesn't it? It really does. I mean, for, gotta for put that in the book of common sense for you, when for you to heroes, be a, when just doing what you're supposed to do. Like when somebody's got a flat tire, pull over to the side of the road and help them change it. When did that become heroic? Right. You be when we got, I, you know, when when the world started, what was it? Wasn't it the 80s when the world became the greed meat culture? Is good, greed is good. Well, when, everybody when likes a good human interest story, right? That's what they're called and stuff. My, I have a niece that is a nurse and she just posted on her Facebook thing look, please don't use the H word around me. You know, just that was a simple message that she just wanted. Hero? To, yeah. Don't she use did, hero don't, around her? Don't use the word H because she's in, she's in the trenches, you know, she's a nurse in North Carolina. Right. She, she shows up and she's doing what she signed up to do, exactly. which is what. Which, and they which, did it. Here's my thing is like my ex-wife's a nurse. She's a, she's a hero if you want to say that, but that's she signed up for that. She loves doing that. Exactly. Like, it's only just because the media is so focused on me medical care right now. Now everybody's a hero. They're either a hero all the time or they're just a hero because it's convenient for the media to say it. And, and I don't even want to say what I think of the other heroes that they talk about in media all the time, because I don't think it's heroic to go to another country, a sovereign nation, and invade them and kill them. I just don't think that's heroic. But, you know, you were, uh, we were, you were on something kind of good there, because I don't know how often I hear from parents or family members that, you know, oh, you're, you know, you saved his life. And, you know, no, I, you did, I didn't. And I've learned just to take the compliment without pushing back, but just not to swallow it. Yeah, you got to honor them to not push it back. That's I got to I got to allow them to have their opinion. Yeah, I, I got to allow them to have their I, I can't that shit. take their opinion from them and and nullify it and tell them that their feelings don't count. But I also can't put it in the bank and count on it and go. There's my hero points because it's not just like you know. And I know the people that are. I know a lot of people that are in healthcare. 
um, in, in hospitals and they're just going about their business, minding their own business. And most of them probably wouldn't be interviewed if they brought a camera in and that's see. And then again, you can't say that because that means that I'm saying shit about well, people well, that well, do talk. To I'll, I'll get even more in the weeds about it. those people working in that Queens hospital where 13 people do were dying every four hours. Those people are fucking heroes. They went above and beyond. But I, I don't know about the rest of it. Just anybody that's got a mask on is a hero. I, I don't know about it. But now we're going to get attacked for that. I'm not <laughs> saying that they're not great people. I'm not saying. But I, I just wonder what are heroes and what does the word hero mean? It's always kind of slanted towards things that I don't really think are heroic. War, I don't think is heroic. I don't. I, I, you know, you don't really want to know my opinion of it. Well, you but know, I, we live, well, we live in a culture where entertainers and athletes are heroes. Yeah. And, and I was going to say, and there's this Michael Jordan 10 part series that's going on that right after this, I'm going to watch two more episodes. And he was considered a hero. And it was Charles Barkley who, because then it became basketball players are heroes and they're looked up to and they're role models. And Charles Barkley you know, was not the greatest role model. And so he got crucified for getting drunk and punching somebody or something. And they were saying at the press conference, if you can look it up on YouTube, it's so great. He's obviously hung over. He's obviously defensive, but he says something magical. He goes, listen to me. I'm not your kid's hero. I'm not the, a role model. You are. The parents are. Oh, the yeah. aunties and uncles are. <laughs> the teachers are. The people around your kid. He goes, I don't even know your fucking kid. <laughs> That's great. And out of the mouth of Charles Barkley comes the book of common sense. <laughs> there's, there's the first quote before on that on that big blank page. <laughs> you know, before the before the uh, but table it was of contents. Parents projecting. Onto these million, he goes. I'm a millionaire basketball player. I don't even know your kid. You're oh the God. role model. You're the fucking hero. Be it. Don't put it on us. And then he said, "But if Michael and Magic and Larry and all those guys want it, I don't want it on me. I'm not a role model." Yeah. See, and that probably that's that's people said something to him at the wrong time, but he came back with brilliance. He yeah. got lucky. Well, he punched somebody. He was just getting out of jail. <laughs> well, a jail will yeah, well, give you time well, to think. Right. And what else can you say <laughs> as you're walking jail out of does, jail? Jail does give you time to think. I remember thinking a lot in there. But, <laughs> you know, I'm sure I'll, I'm coming back. I'll be in a different mood. But this, I, And then I wondered, is this coronavirus isolation? Because literally, other than go to Vaughn's and me going to the doctor today and going to Aloe a couple of times, I've been in this house for like 42 days. It's pretty incredible. It's pretty nuts. Yeah. Right? It, it is it is nuts and 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 it's gotten to the point where it's there's there's a whole lot of infighting about that too. It's like how how dare you say we're in the same boat when you have a giant house and you have all that land and you have this and you have that and your kids have nannies and just like, let's just, we just need to stop. Just worry about your own house for a minute. This is really one of those times where we got to fo follow the words of the great Charles Barkley and just, <laughs> you know, don't, <laughs> the great, we, we the need to circle the great Charles Barkley. We, we need to circle around. Role model. 
<laughs> you make, you know, you're going to, you're going to learn a lot. We learn a lot about ourselves in situations like this. How tolerant are we really? How, you know, what's really going on and deal with some personal demons. Cause I, I know that it's easy when, when you do what we do, Bob, you're dealing with other people's problems. So, so much that the little day-to-day things sometimes get overlooked. I have, I, I realized the Charles Barkley thing ruminated with me more in AA since I can remember when I really started sponsoring people, I would never give relationship advice. And I said it to every person I sponsored once they wanted, you know, they were out of place. Cause you know what happens a lot when people get sober, the relationships don't survive. Why is that? You would think the, the person in the addict's life wants them to get sober so bad for sometimes for years. And then when they do, it ends in divorce. It's crazy. So I just said to hundred guys probably i'm the last person that should give relationship advice i don't think this has anything to do with aa it, it that that's a whole other category right i know that you sh- you have to look at your resentments i know i know how to do all this stuff the fundamentals about you but like about your relationship and me knowing what you should do that's ridiculous i've been divorced three times <laughs> I, 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 you know what I mean? That's like asking Steve Earle how to stay in a marriage. Well, he, well, if you, if you take all of Steve's marriages together, he must be married for forty seven years times. Total. Seven well, congratulations, times. Steve. That's a long time to be married. That's why I said that. <laughs> you know, but but so often, like I know with with, with my first wife, whenever I'd get sober, because I got sober twice for a period of time during the nine years we were married. And she didn't like it when she, you know, she was one of those sick people that needed someone to take care of. So the, the paradigm changed so quickly when all of a sudden I had well, an opinion. Well, no, let's switch it around now. So I've said that same thing, Chuck. But could it be that we, we want to be taken, we need to be taken care of in that desperation of our disease. So, so we're... We're not using, see, I think it's much more complicated than the surface level stuff. Like you're using them for money or they're using them for their car. I don't think it's that. I think it's that I need to know that somebody cares about me, even though I might not care about that person. That's the really, Hmm. really kind of, because if you did care about the person, you'd get sober, right? You'd at least be motivated to try. I wasn't even motivated to try. And I knew, uh, uh, you know, uh, relationships in my life, they were just dying. I would be gone for three days and they were just dying. And they come home and then they're mad and then they forgive you. Uh, am I telling Mike Mart's life story or mine? <laughs> but I just had an epiphany like, I didn't do it nearly as bad or as much as Mike Mart did. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, our, that's our stories are similar, and that's why the rooms work because I, I get to hear my story when I hear yours. The names and faces change, but there's a lot of similarities. But don't you think there's a lot of people giving out marriage advice who've been divorced three times? Oh yeah. Well, you know who who's qualified? I know marriage and family therapists that shouldn't be giving advice on marriage or family. You know, the only marriage and family therapist I respect is guy, Joe, that I worked with at Los Encinas. I forget his last name. Really, you know, he's a good guy. And he said, you know, think about what, he was a marriage and family therapist. He goes, think about what that, what the job description is. And I said, it's to help people save marriages. And he goes, no, maybe it's to help them civilly divorce. And I was like, 
holy shit, you don't advertise that. (laughs) (laughs) Need a clean break? Give us a call. Part of a really good marriage and family therapist uh, portfolio. Well, but I, but I guess that would be, you know, we're, we're going to walk through this and wherever it ends up, we're going to fall into its natural end. That's what, something that alcoholics are terrible at or letting relationships run their course. You know, a lot of relationships run their course and we won't let them go because for that reason, I think you were just talking about that person cares about us no matter how bad it is. Yeah, there's a bond. There's a bond between the addict and the codependent that that it's a pretty powerful bond. And so for you at home, if you if you listen to us because you have an addict in your life and it's it, it'll save you a lot of time and energy if you figure out why there's an addict in your life, why you need them, why you need to worry about them, why you're so obsessed with them, because you guys are doing a dance that even if you get your wish that they get sober, it might not turn out the way you want it to. Absolutely. Right. And it's sad. I, I think it's. I think it's much more empowering to say, you know, enough is enough. I, because I've had people leave me when I was loaded. And then I've obviously have uh, situations where, where it didn't work out post sobriety. Right. So I think it's much more empowering for the person who's codependent to say when the person is loaded, you know what? Enough is enough. I can't take this anymore. I love you. I don't ever want to see you or talk to you again. I've had that said to me. And I had one person live by it still to this day for 30 years, right? <laughs> and only one. <laughs> yeah, they usually like once you get sober and you're sober for years, you usually become friends because you got to go back and make it right with them. So I sent that person an email trying to sit down to make amends. And she said, no, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> you just go about your business. <laughs> and I remember thinking, first, I was relieved that I wasn't going to have to sit down and own up to my shit during that relationship. But another part of me was like, that's fucked up. She won't even give me the, the, the feelings of closure about this. And it's her right not to, right? Mm-hmm. But it was very interesting. Like, no, she, she was done when I was in my disease and there was no going back and she didn't want to be friends or civil or not. She's not uncivil to me. It's just like she had no, she just, just no, no, no business, no problem. No, thank you. Yeah, no, next. Th- no, thank Dismissed. you. <laughs> Dismissed. That hurts worse than more. Anyway. I'm good. I'm good. I don't need to sit down to me. I had a funny thing when I was making amends to a, fr- a friend of mine. I was making amends and, and he didn't really know it for a minute. And then he goes, wait, is this one of those AA things? And I said, uh, yeah, I told you. And he goes, uh, I've had this done before and the person always goes back to drugs. So I don't really want to do this. <laughs> mm. oh my and I was like, okay. All those people making amends in their first 30 days. Dude, <laughs> yeah. I've been clean for two weeks. Forgive me. Yeah. Well, you know, when you used to leave rehab in the eighties, you were already on your um, ninth step. Yeah. Like I went to Hazelden I didn't know what the fuck was going on, but I, and I stayed there a month and a half, right? I did, couldn't make it to two months, but I stayed a month and a half. I had already done seven, eight, seven and eight, right? So I was on nine. Huh. So you're coming out of rehab with 43 days sobriety and you're on step nine. That, that's Dude. fucking ridiculous. Don't you think? 
Yeah, there, there's a lot of ridiculous stuff. But there's, there's <laughs> That's so... the grand wizardry of Hazelden was doing that for decades. Yeah, they 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 say that get through them, don't don't delay. You know, those early guys are all into you know. Oh, I did it on a matchbook. Well, but yeah, but I believe those guys more because they did it with people they continue to see every day. When you go off to Minnesota and you do your mm-hmm. first seven, uh, first eight steps. Right, um, it's kind of hard. Then you come back to LA, and you nobody you've talked to about it or anything you've interacted or the fourth step that you did with somebody. You're never going to see them again. It's kind of crazy. You know who I did read my fourth step to, which was crazy. John Seidel's mom. Oh, nice. John Seidel's mom worked at Hazelden. Oh, and so. So, you know, she helped me a lot, but I mean, she's my friend's mom. She's not going to be my, you know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Mrs. So Sido. We, we've done them a few times now, you know. I just go back and start over, you know, and just see what happens, you know, this this time. Have you done them in Al-Anon? Oh, I haven't. Chuck, have you done them in Al-Anon? No. no I got I, the funniest Al-Anon story. So I used to... I was recommended by my AA sponsor, Floyd, to go to Al-Anon, this ridiculous, all this shit you're talking about has nothing to do with alcoholism, everything to do with codependency. And he worked on me for a year to get me to go to Al-Anon. I started going every Wednesday night, I think it was, in Hollywood on La Brea. And then my therapist also was a big Al-Anon person, so Roland Kim, the great Dr. Kim. And he said, hey, there's a new four-step packet for Al-Anon. I want you to get it and let's go over it together. This is my therapist, right? So I, you know, I was never really actively involved in Alanite. I just went one day a week and I kind of read the literature and whatever. So I'm standing at the break at the, at the, um, you know, at the books and all the stuff to be sold is sitting on the piano. Right. And it's, this is that an on me. And there's somebody talking to the woman who's doing it. I pick up the four step workbook, this new thing that had come out and I'm sitting there with a $10 bill to buy it. She stops. She ends her conversation with the person in front of me. And then she says, I said, okay, I just want to buy this. And it was getting close to the break, into the break in the meeting, right? I go, I just want to buy this. I hand her the $10 bill. She refused to take it. She goes, are you on your fourth step? Do you what? have a sponsor? <laughs> and I was like, who the fuck are you? Lady. But you belong here, lady. That she was uh, trying to control all the things that codependents do. That I mm. hadn't, I hadn't verified criteria. I said, no, I don't have a sponsor, and no, I'm not on step four. I just want to buy this book. Is that okay with you? <laughs> no, no, no. That's not the rules. No, not. How, 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 how codependent is that? The woman it's fantastic. The won't let you buy it unless you're on it. That's they picked weird. the right person. <laughs> they did because can you imagine the mess she'd make of, of something else if she didn't have that to do to police and monitor it's <laughs> funny her husband was probably so grateful she had the literature commitment yeah. and here comes full circle so so maybe this is how we end it the woman who claimed what have you what do you do for society on instagram is the same woman who said are you on your fourth step oh <laughs> it's oh the same God. thing it's like, See? why do you fucking care? Why? You don't even know me. Why would you fucking care? Oh, shit. Got no time for what other strangers <laughs> think of what I think. You know, there's there's this guy on the Instagram. Is I don't know his real name, but he's drowning in sound is his Instagram thing. 
and he he asked because I did a picture of a bunch of books that I've been reading. And he asked if the Amy Dresner book was any good. And I said, yeah. And then he sent me a thing today, sent me a private message. And I don't usually look at the private messages from people I don't know because you never know what it's going to be. But it was a thank you for, for doing this thing. So and he appreciates what we what we do. And it's just so cool to hear something positive with no thorn attached. No, no, I really appreciate it. But. But, you know, thank you guys for doing that. And I said, you know, we're going to be doing another one tonight. And it's it's cool that there's people out there that that dig it and look forward to it. Yeah, no, yeah. I love doing the podcast. I, I just don't. I Because I wouldn't know where to read the feedback of the podcast. Yeah. I filter it for you, Bob. I filter it. No, That's what you I need. don't want to know. I don't want to know. <laughs> it's all, all good. Right, you guys. <laughs> I'm going to get back to my MSNBC addiction now. Rachel Maddow's on. I, here's the horrible advice from Bob Forrest. If it's a choice between killing yourself and doing drugs, do drugs. Don't die. See you later, guys.